As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, college football playoff rankings reaction. This is the last one before the one, and I think we've got the parameters set going into championship weekend. I think we can we can spin out most of the scenarios without being too far-fetched. Max Olson joins. Uh, you haven't heard Max since like, oh, I don't know, 36 hours ago when we were talking about Lincoln Riley going to USC. Uh, Mac just has just dropped a news bomb that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, he just just reported that Jake Hayner from Fresno State has entered the transfer portal. Uh, Jake Hayner, by the way, a transfer from Washington, whose head coach, Kalen DeBoer, Max just went to Washington, so maybe reunited, and it feels so good. You 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 could go home again. This is the portal. Anything can happen. Oh, it's a magical, magical place, but. Right now, we want to talk about the college football playoff. Not anything terribly surprising about these rankings. Georgia's still number one. Michigan jumps to number two, as we thought. Alabama is number three. I think I think there may have been some discussion about whether Alabama or Cincinnati would be three and four. For, for our purposes here, if they win, they're in the playoff. And if they lose this weekend, they're out, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of immaterial this week. And then you got Oklahoma State at number five after beating Oklahoma in Bedlam. Notre Dame at number six. Oklahoma State jumping Notre Dame, which I think the casual fan will go, how, do you, how does Oklahoma State jump Notre Dame when they have the same number of losses? But Oklahoma State's win against Oklahoma and the win against Baylor, which, by the way, is their Big 12 title game opponent, those are better than any two wins that Notre Dame has. Yeah, and also, not to oversimplify, but Everyone was watching Bedlam on Saturday night. Nobody was watching Notre Dame Stanford. I think sometimes for the oh, committee that probably it was, it was ugly plays into it. Stanford lo- believe they lost every single game after the Oregon win, right, Andy? Yes. So yeah, um, I I think there's there's from a, a head-to-head standpoint there. Just Notre Dame scheduled well. You would think okay, they're playing USC, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Purdue, Virginia. You, you would think they're playing a lot, and obviously Cincinnati. You'd think this is setting up to be, you know, in, in returning to that independent schedule, you would have thought, hey, it's a pretty good schedule this year. A lot of those yeah. teams just weren't good enough this year. Yeah, they didn't They didn't cooperate. I don't I don't blame this on Notre Dame. I blame this on on the, the teams on their schedule. This is just really just bad luck, and Notre Dame has had a lot of bad luck in the last 48 hours because they lost their coach. Brian Kelly, in a meeting that could have been an email – Mm-hmm. Let's his players know on Tuesday morning that he's he's bumping out LSU, which I, I, it was interesting because if you haven't listened to the the Inside the Garage podcast, there's four Notre Dame players do it, and it's a it, it's the first time I'd listen today. They do a really good job, great audio quality by the way. But I think people would be surprised that they were less mad about Brian Kelly leaving for LSU than the news getting out before he could tell them. The, the, right. the, the attitude toward him going to LSU was, well, it's, it's all business. There's not a, there's really not a great ideal way 
to handle this. No. There, there's not really. And of course, the the way this is all kind of dictated now, like once it's out there, once once some reporter puts it out there, it's really whatever timeline you had, it's out of control now. Um, there are there are poor ways and, and and worse ways to do it. And I don't know, you could say maybe a two minute meeting is maybe the players deserved a little more than that. But I mean, there's there's not really some some way that everyone like applauds you as you walk out of the building. No, I, I don't think there've been a lot of, of coaches that have done it in a way that, that people said, Oh, that's maybe that's Billy Napier. They, they might applaud Billy him when Napier, he walks out the building. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I mean, his AD is, is posting on Twitter saying, come, come support him in his last game and right. uh, congratulating him, putting like putting Gator emojis on, on the, the retweet of the announcement that Billy Napier got high by Florida. So yeah, you're right. Uh, Neil Brown leaving Troy for West Virginia is, is another good example where good Neil one. went back to Troy, appeared at a Troy basketball game, spoke to the fans and, and said, here's what's going on. Here's why I left. And I think, I think time heals some of this, but with Brian Kelly, like he left Cincinnati badly. Time didn't heal that time yeah. won't heal this one either because nobody at Notre Dame thinks there's a better job than Notre Dame. And so they're not going to accept any explanation for it. There's, there's really nothing you can say, but the explanations that I'm interested in now, Max are the ones now, I, I do want to just be- add. I, I, Andy, I think it would be in poor taste for Luke fickle to coach Notre Dame in a playoff game. I'll just, I'll just mention that too. <laughs> that would be in, poor that would taste, be a bad but, exit. Yeah. <laughs> but frankly, I, I, I think Luke fickle's just going to wait and, and coach Cincinnati in the playoff and then wait and see if Ryan day goes to the bears. Hey, I mean, we are savoring the craziness of the last. What it? What it is? I mean, at this point, would the whole any, NFL anything round. like that surprise you? No, right. there's still the whole NFL round of this we got to go through. So this this ain't over. Oh yeah, no. So it 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 is really interesting to see because the college football playoff. They've always said, well, we have these things in place. They've never really had to use them. There's never been a situation, and I, I think when they set up a four-team playoff, now twelve-team playoff, there will be situations. This will happen a little more frequently, but I would imagine when they set up the four-team playoff, they never dreamed that a coach of a team that was in the hunt would leave for another school. Like this is, <laughs> oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, the when you talk about the protocol of factoring in missing players, missing coaches, you're talking about. Joe Moorhead not being able to coach a game for Oregon this season. We're not talking about right. what does this team look like in a playoff game if their staff is gone. Yeah, this is – I'm trying to think of, of anything this is similar to. I guess it is Bill Frieder getting canned by Bo Schimbeckler in the 1989 basketball season when he interviewed at Arizona State. And Bo Schimbeckler famously said, a Michigan man will coach Michigan. And – so he, had, he elevates Steve Fisher and they end up winning the national title. Like that, that's the only thing I can think of that, that's even close to this. But so that has to be taken into consideration. And Reese Davis asked Gary Barta, the chair of the playoff selection committee, about that on the selection show tonight. Let's, let's hear that question and, and Gary Barta's answer to that. Gary, Notre Dame at number six. Their resume is complete, so there's no projecting about whether they might win or lose the game. Their season is over. Yet that resume changes without Brian Kelly now that he's moved on to LSU. It's in the selection committee protocol. You can evaluate that. How do you anticipate that being evaluated in the final ranking process? Well, you make a good point, Reese, that uh, committee obviously is aware of all the coaching changes while we were going through the rankings. This week uh, didn't apply because the games that occurred – and uh, we evaluated based on those games. Once the championship games wrap up, to your point, our protocol does include the ability for the, the committee to consider a player or a coach not being available, and should that have a, a, an effect on the outcome of a game, that can be considered. Uh, at this point, we'll have to wait and see how that factors in, but it is one of the criteria that's now added to strength of schedule, to uh, head-on-head competition and, and uh, winning championships, etc. Okay, Max. This can definitely factor in, and the idea of Notre Dame making the playoff is not far-fetched at all as they sit at number six. I will give you an example of a scenario where Notre Dame makes the playoff. Mm-hmm. 
Georgia beats Alabama. Houston beats Cincinnati. Notre Dame makes the playoff. Georgia beats Alabama. Baylor beats Oklahoma State. Notre Dame makes the playoff. Houston beats Cincinnati. Baylor beats Oklahoma State. Notre Dame makes the playoff. Man. And you or, know, do they, or do they go, you, you're well, not, two lost Alabama over Notre Dame without a coach. And look, you're not just like spitballing. Like, clearly this has crossed Brian Kelly's mind when he was making that calculation on what to do. And, you know, when LSU slides that big check in front of you and says, we need you now, obviously that that trumps things. But, like, he had to know. Like, you knew exactly where you were going to be in this week's rankings, and you knew there's an actual possibility here that, yeah, based on how the season's gone, if it only takes two things to happen, two things could definitely happen. Oh, and, and I forgot to mention – Iowa blocks three punts and returns them for touchdowns and, and beats Michigan 21-20. I, I see no other way Iowa scores. So that's that's the okay. only scenario I can envision where they beat they where they beat Michigan. But that that's also a possibility. Iowa can knock Michigan out. And so I mean Alabama will get knocked out if they lose. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Georgia and Alabama both make it if Alabama wins. I'm just not confident in Alabama winning. But it certainly could happen. But Michigan could get knocked out. Cincinnati could get knocked out. Oklahoma State could get knocked out. And Notre Dame is sitting there not playing. And Ohio State, like, you're not going to elevate Ohio State. You can't elevate Ohio State above Michigan at that point. Could Michigan get in still if they lost to Iowa if it was close? I was wondering, I was, I was trying to work through this when they put the rankings up. Like, the what is the Ohio State path here? Like, I guess you would... Is it Georgia, Iowa, Houston, Baylor win? And that would leave Georgia, I'm, I'm Notre doing the Dame, math on my fingers now. Ohio State, and then like Baylor or Cincy? Like who? I mean, like who's Michigan? Who's in like the, yeah, Michigan I mean, would be the, the other one. There? I guess. Michigan would be the other one because they'd go, they lost to Michigan State and they lost to, to Iowa. <laughs> I guess. Because <laughs> I mean, where's Iowa's going to, if that happens, Iowa's going to be ranked like, eighth or ninth well and, and can you put can you put cincy in, in in like the most extreme scenario can you put a one loss cincy in that doesn't have a conference title okay but they do have a head-to-head winning is notre dame so maybe that's how the cincy head-to-head comes into play still, still if, keeps them up there yeah maybe so yeah they maybe would have so. the same record well they'd be 12 and one notre dame would be 11 and one and they'd have a head-to-head win at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame doesn't have a coach. Yeah. Okay. So I. I, I wait. Wait. Can you, we, hold on. Let me, let me. Let me. Let me back up, Max. Let me. Did I just? Did I just unfurl a scenario where the group of five team could win or lose and make the playoff? What I, world are we living in? I. I mean, I guess. Oh my gosh. I that's insane. Is it? But you know the way the season has gone, it probably is foolish of us to just say like, hmm, Bama Georgia decides a spot, and that's about it. You know, everything else will be status. You know, it, it'll it'll be chalk. I I, I don't I don't maybe think we it should be status quo. Yeah. No. Michigan, Iowa, Cincinnati, Houston. What, what do you Oklahoma see as State, the most Baylor. likely stunner there? I mean, certainly Baylor, Oklahoma State played a close game already before. We've seen them play before. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like we're sleeping on Cincinnati Houston. The Cougs have played one bad quarter this year. The fourth quarter against Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. They've been really good otherwise. 
I was looking at, and this is not, I don't think, that, I'm, I'm certain this is not the same strength of schedule that the committee uses, but I was looking at the ESPN strength of schedule. You want to take a guess at where Houston is right now, nationally in strength probably, of schedule? Probably dead even with Cincinnati. 129 out of 130. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they're below Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, Cincinnati Cincinnati's 96. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But uh, that's Houston what, well, could that, do it. Houston's I mean, best non-conference is, is Texas Tech, right? And they Which lost is a, a bowl team. But you know, yeah, they lost. Certainly feels like a long time ago. But um, they've gotten on a roll. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we, you know, if if they can, and they've played great defense this year. If Clayton Tune can put together a nice game, like yeah, you could see that being close. And that's why also like, does the margin of victory really matter that much this weekend when you know a bunch of these games probably probably do end up being pretty close? There's one place where I think margin of victory might matter, and it's it's Atlanta. the nightmare scenario for yep. for everybody outside the SEC. And and I'm telling you, it has to be like I think it has to be like this for this to happen. Otherwise, Alabama is out if they lose. But if it's like multiple overtimes, Alabama loses on a terrible call where everybody knows they got screwed. That's the only way <laughs> I think they get in if they lose. It's Alabama. I mean, yeah. Why? Why wouldn't we assume that that would be? There, there's always. I mean, not always, but most years there is some sort of intense and potentially a little bit contrived debate late Saturday night, and uh, that's probably going to be it. That's probably going to be Alabama. Yeah, I think so, but I don't. I don't know that it'd be contrived if you had a scenario where they played a really close game against Georgia. I just. And not expecting a very close game against Georgia. I, I, I'm just not. And then maybe they'll prove me wrong. But what we've seen from Alabama, and, and it feels like Nick Saban has been managing our expectations all season. So, so I, I do, we, we do need to go back to the Notre Dame thing for a second. I, I am curious how, what you make of that. Obviously, you saw in the aftermath of the comments, a lot of outrage by people saying, why would they punish these players who just got bailed on? Like, that doesn't make sense. Obviously, there's there's a there's an element of this that none of us really like, which is just the fact is like at the end of the day, they're just putting on an event. And so they want to put in the four best teams for that reason. And they want to have the most competitive. I, game. I don't think but Brian what, Kelly. What, how being outraged gone would you be by this? I don't think Brian Kelly being gone should disqualify them. I, I really I don't. don't. Really I, I don't even know if it should be a fact. I don't even know if it's a factor that should disqualify them, because especially if they're, if they're really considering Marcus Freeman as a potential successor, which it sounds like they are, it sounds like he, he'd be in the mix for that job. Let's say he does a great job. Let's say he, because look at how they're recruiting. Who, who's the guy doing the best recruiting for them right now? Marcus Freeman. Sure. Yeah. So if, it might be that Marcus Freeman is a very special potential new head coach. I mean, they might be better. Who knows? Sure, and and I I suppose it's a lot more interesting conversation if Notre Dame was like number four right now, and we were just wondering like, should they fall out because we just don't think that they're the same team anymore at six and with the resume, and 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 obviously this is the end of the line here in terms of Notre Dame's resume. So the committee, I think, has probably made the statement they want to make on how good they actually think Notre Dame is. Uh, but if they were higher now, obviously if they were higher, Brian Kelly probably wouldn't leave at this time, but well, that this, that's my question, Max, if they'd beaten Cincinnati, he mm-hmm. doesn't leave, right? No, no. He's still there. And if Oklahoma had won Bedlam, which they had a chance to do, like Lincoln probably Lincoln can't Riley do it now. Leave. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, if Oklahoma had won Bedlam and then lost the big 12 championship game, Lincoln could have left next week. Sure. Sure. But they but might if he's not going have. into the playoff. It's a different story, <laughs> right? Right, and playing Baylor again, they might not have lost that that second time. So, um, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, is this a big issue? I mean, I, it, it certainly. I, I feel like they're just well. Saying, here, here's well, we here's what this. I never. Here's what I never ever want to hear again. I never want to hear any coach or any you know old guy commentator clucking his tongue at some player who opts out of a bowl game. Yeah, come on. Never again. Done. Never again. It's, it's over. It's over. Because <laughs> Ryan doesn't, Kelly doesn't care enough. And as Why we know, should it, a player? It doesn't even affect him in the draft. Or it doesn't actually have any consequences either, right? Like, it, it, come on. It doesn't matter. Um, I, yeah, it, I, I kind of think Gary Barta probably is just saying that's something we could think about if we had to think about it, but we don't. But right. it's easy for these things to get 
twisted if you're a little, you know, imprecise in how you word it. I think they'll put them in if any of those scenarios that we unspooled happens. I think they will. I, I don't know who they're going to put in over. Right. That's, that's the problem. There's not someone right there with Notre Dame from a, from a win-loss standpoint. It, it, I mean, maybe Ohio State, maybe Alabama, but neither okay, of those so maybe teams, that's the scenario you're talking neither about. Neither of those is teams it... were as, as dominant as you expect either of those teams to be. Like, they are not what we expect from those programs. And so, that's why they both have two losses, or that's why one has two losses and one may have two losses. So is that where it comes into play? Is that the Saturday night debate is, should they put in a two-loss Alabama over a one-loss Notre Dame if those are the options? Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting because I do think there will be people in the room, and I, I don't it, – it's hard to argue with this, who are going to say, who do you think will give Team X a better game? Right. And especially if Alabama has just come off giving Georgia a good game, they, they will be able to say that. Sure. But I don't know. I – I don't know because we we haven't do. seen someone go down to the wire with Georgia since Clemson, right? I mean, really, right? Exactly. And and Georgia's offense has gotten better. So that better. would be extremely impactful if someone actually did. I mean, if Bama actually correct came very close this time. Yeah, correct. And 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 Will Anderson might win himself the Heisman. I mean, if he has a four sack game, he might. It, it might be like the Indomitian Sioux Big Twelve title game. And it, it sure seems like the national case, narrative there is open to being swayed. That That's for sure. But boy, that changed in a week. I've been yelling about it for about a month I now. Mean, our, but... our straw poll may be our own little bubble, but I, I mean, I think yeah. that, I think I think that uh, people are, are probably uh, the reaction to Saturday is, okay, it's not about Bryce Young and it's not about well, CJ Stroud. Will Anderson's numbers are hard to deny. Yeah. When you like, and, and, Sue's an interior lineman, so what Sue did in 2009 is still one of the more amazing seasons you will ever see anyone have. But I was in college in Nebraska has, at that time. I covered it. I, yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. 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 The, the fact that Will Anderson has 30 and a half tackles for loss, I, that's more than anybody, I think, since 2003. It's Aaron Donald and, numbers. Yeah, that's what he's yes, doing. It, it's crazy. And so – He's doing that against really good competition. He's doing that against offensive tackles that are going to play in the NFL. And then you, you watch Aiden Hutchinson almost single-handedly dismantle Ohio State's offense. You cannot help but be impressed by that. I mean, everybody in the world was watching Michigan-Ohio State and watched Aiden Hutchinson do that to, to Ohio State. So People, I, I do people are going to be watching it, for those guys to, to wreck this weekend, for sure. Oh, Aiden Hutchinson may eat Spencer Petrus. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I don't I don't envy him. Like Tyler Linderbaum can only protect against the guys coming up the middle. Okay, oh what protecting if he, against Aiden? Would that be amazing if they're just like you know what we after a lot of thought and a lot of review we're putting Linderbaum at tackle and we're gonna see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is then they probably would mess up the snap half the time. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Um, oh my gosh. So but no, it's. Go ahead. I do. I, I do want to ask you. So, I, I covered Bedlam. It, it was interesting in the aftermath of that to think about the road ahead here uh, for Oklahoma State, now number five in these rankings. Um, certainly, there's a debate there about. I, I know, and I know, you know, Stu Mandel believes wholeheartedly Oklahoma State wins and they're in. Um, I, there's a, a debate there. Certainly, if Bama beats Georgia. Then, then where do you come out on Oklahoma State versus Cincinnati for a final spot? But I do also yeah, wonder this. that's going to be tough. If everything goes as planned, if, if, if the favorites all win, then should Cincinnati and, and Oklahoma State picks up a top 10 win over mm -hmm. Baylor, should Cincinnati be three or four? And obviously that's very important when you consider who's number one. Yeah. Yeah, one's going to have to play Georgia and one's going to have to play Michigan in that scenario. That is a really great question. Cincinnati would have the better best win, but Oklahoma State would have the better collection of wins. They would have two wins against Baylor and a win against Oklahoma. Right. So I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma just, State would be five and one against teams above 500, which is one of those criteria that I'm going yeah. through the mock. Judging by what the then, committee has valued over the years. Cincinnati would be five and they, the, yeah, they, they have most valued who have you beaten? Yeah. More than anything else. 
Right. And so that, I think Oklahoma State would be three. I, I, I think so, too. They're, they're very similar in terms of if you want to look at like strength of record and game control. But the strength of schedule gap is, is maybe a little bit of a, a tiebreaker on that. And, and again, one gets to play a top uh, 25 team and one gets to play a top 10 team. Maybe that's the difference maker. By the way, if, if, if we get Oklahoma State, Michigan in Arlington, like there's a pretty good chance cool. the number five team right now is playing for a national title. Yeah, absolutely. That's what, and there are two very Notre tough Dame, teams that I think would play a very tough game. I'm not saying Michigan so, would definitely lose or anything, but some of the Notre Dame fans were, were arguing with me tonight because I, I said that I think Brian Kelly left because he felt like Notre Dame had hit its ceiling. Mm. And, and I think that they might have. And they said, well, you know, if Notre Dame gets in and they play Michigan, well, they could win a playoff game. I'm like, the goal is not to win a playoff game. You have to win two to win the national championship. So it's not, can Notre Dame beat Michigan? It's can Notre Dame beat Georgia? Yeah. And that's where this, this in this four team setup, it, it, it just, it feels so close and so far away at the same time with the, with you think about in, in, in both cases, honestly, when you think about the semifinal experiences of Notre Dame and Oklahoma, you can understand why those coaches feel like maybe, maybe I need to find a different door to get into this. Right. And I, I think that's exactly what both of them thought. I mean, Lincoln Riley, it went progress. It got progressively worse every time he got a team into the playoff. The first time they should have won. Mm-hmm. They should have won that Rose Bowl. I, I know he'll regret that squib kick forever. Oh. They yeah. against Alabama, they had three terrible drives to open the game. Right. Got stopped. Alabama scored every time. And then Tyler, they had no Tyler's chance. Very to, good, but you can't be down twenty-one nothing in that game. Right, and you have to block Quinn and Williams at least once. Right, at least yeah. once. Yeah. So, and then the LSU thing was a complete disaster. So, that that would inform my decision, I think. And then Brian Kelly, I'm not one of those people who's like Notre Dame didn't belong in the playoff because they lost. Notre Dame played Alabama as tough as anybody played Alabama last year. Yeah. Notre Dame played Clemson tough in 2018. They're just not deep enough to beat teams like that. And the question is going forward, can you make them deep enough? And my, my thing has always been because you're fishing out of a smaller pond for your recruits, it's very hard to be as deep as Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, LSU, or whatever, whatever beast you're going to face in the playoff. So perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps they elevate Marcus Freeman to head coach. He start, he's just continually reeling in top five classes and they're just as deep as those other teams. But I don't think I'm going to be wrong on that. The, but by the way, this is the Notre Dame part. I, I will acknowledge it's, it's definitely interesting in the context of the playoff because it is a, like a very fluid situation this week. I mean, there's, there's currently, I believe, Andy, a bidding war going on for Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese. Correct. So by, you know, who knows where that's at by tomorrow. It is interesting. Gary Barta mentioned that they will have calls this week, you know, with, with different representatives. So I think like they are going to try and gather information about what the Notre Dame situation is, which, you know, is their staff and Kyle Hamilton and, and probably all the other stuff. But I, it was interesting. They didn't name an interim coach today and, and, and what, you know, what, what exactly is like, when do you have to kind of figure out this plan if things all, you know, fall into place here on Sunday, you have to figure it out Monday. You also have to sign a class. Yeah, that's the other piece of this, right? You know, and a, an extremely good class December that they need 15. to hold together right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, that I would assume that bolsters Freeman's candidacy considerably, because my guess is you hire him, that class. You think it's like the Cristobal pitch of I'm the guy who can hold mm-hmm. this class together, and that was the right choice. Yeah, it was. I mean. Let's be honest, and and this is why I, I got in, a bunch of A and M fans got mad at me the other day because they said, "Well, you you made fun of us, but you're not making fun of these guys." I'm like, I make fun of all of you, all of you who have guaranteed eighty, ninety, a hundred million dollars to somebody. I'm going to make fun of you because these things almost always end badly. And then and then the response is always, "Well, what do you want us to do? Not try?" No, there are other ways to try. The current number one team in the country. The head coach was a defensive coordinator at, a, at another conference school. Uh, the team that's won two national titles in the last five years, the current head coach was the receivers coach when they fired the old coach and they made him the interim. 
the current head coach of the, the team that's won the last however many Big Ten titles until this year, he was the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. The guy who just left for USC, who never didn't win the conference at Oklahoma until this year, he was the offensive you. coordinator. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, so, and that and that so, could be how it goes, right? It could be mm-hmm. at, when the dust settles, it's Marcus Freeman and Brent Venables having these two of the best jobs in the country. Who knows? And and that might be the best possible outcome too for the for the two schools searching for coaches. We, we don't know. It, the the thing is, especially well, I think Oklahoma and Notre Dame, but but Notre Dame especially because of the the group of candidates, the group of people who have excelled at a slightly, you know, just a notch below level, they are the geographically, culturally, the type of people who would want the Notre Dame job. And so Notre Dame's options are really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, they're, they're, they're two jobs that literally don't op- open up hardly ever. So um, mm-hmm. that's going to be, that's going to be fun to see. And, and, you know, certainly in the case of the Irish, uh, I don't know. It, it's like how, how fast do you have to have an answer or can, can you sit back and wait if you feel like it is, you know, let's, let's hold this class together. Let's get it signed. And let's, let's well, wait for fickle potentially. If fickle's your guy, you're not getting him now. No, but if you let Freeman go, that means you need to get somebody else. So you either need to wait on fickle or you need to on Campbell or somebody else. Yeah. My, Matt Campbell, see if Matt rule wants to leave the NFL, though. I cannot imagine that rule pulling a Bobby Petrino. It's just not, doesn't seem like it's in his nature. So that's, but it's Notre Dame. And and the thing about Notre Dame, and it was interesting hearing the players talk about that today, because the, the players in a previous episode had said, commit to a coach, not a school. But Notre Dame is a commit to a school kind of place. <laughs> and as we're seeing right now, Oklahoma is a commit to a coach kind of place. Exactly. Like, I think even if they lost Freeman, but they said, we're, we're going to hire somebody really good. They would probably still keep most of that class together because yeah, Notre Dame's I, a different kind of place. I don't, I, I would be surprised if we were seeing, you know, Notre Dame players trying to, trying to go to Baton Rouge. I would, I would be surprised by that. Wouldn't you? No, you're not going to, you're not going to see that. No. And so I, I think, I think that piece of it, I always go back to Lewis Nix when they fired Charlie Weiss. Before they hired Brian Kelly, Lewis Nix, defensive tackle from Jacksonville, the late Lewis Nix, he just passed away earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hilarious guy. Smile could light up a room. He had originally been committed to Miami. He decommitted. He was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. He commits to Notre Dame when they have no coach because he's like, I just want to go to Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame can get a lot of that kind of player. And more maybe- so than most schools. Look, I'm sure everyone's trying to like poach their class right now. It's a top five class. They, it's you know really impressive looking on paper, but maybe it's like maybe it doesn't matter who they hire. Maybe that you know the roster sticks together, the class sticks together. That there is a belief that uh, as long as it's a coach, people can, can get behind that this well, thing whoever, is not going to fall. Whoever they off. hire, let's think about this, Max. Whoever they hire, whether it's Marcus Freeman, whether it's Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle. These are people who are almost universally respected yeah. in the game and by players. So I, I think that's that's the thing. If you're Jack Swarbrick, and this is where the AD comes in a lot of times in recruiting and, and tries to calm things down, he really can say, we will get a coach that you will love playing for. Totally. Yeah, totally. So, Which is it's, probably it, it, why that that's situation... That's not a lie. That's, a, that's an easy promise for him to make. Right, which is probably why that situation doesn't really feel as, as stunning as it is. It doesn't really feel that disastrous. Whereas you've certainly seen the reaction out of Norman and, and look, Bob soup's coming on and kind of calming everyone down, I think was, was really important, but it, it does. It, it, it's been a little more pets heads are falling off in, in, at Oklahoma right now. No, I don't think it really will yeah. be at Notre Dame. No, I, I think you're right. And Oklahoma, I think once they get somebody in place, all of that kind of normalizes and, they get back to signing the kind of players Oklahoma usually signs because it's Oklahoma. I, I know they, they made some bad hires in the 90s, but they've been very good for the better part of 100 years. Yeah. Like, 
It's pretty recession proof. As good as good as the last guy was, I I think when they say there that it's bigger than one coach, I, I think they're right. I think they're right, and Oklahoma will be fine. There's just it's just it, it's a different deal when you think about where they're about to be too. Let's talk about the story you dropped on Tuesday night, Jake Hayner, Fresno State quarterback entering the transfer portal now. Uh, we, we saw Malachi Nelson, who is not a college player yet. He's a class of 2023 guy, but he was committed to Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley leaves. He decommits from Oklahoma. On Tuesday, he commits to USC. We've seen that. But we haven't seen a player just kind of follow a coach, especially a quarterback, just kind of follow a coach who left. Kalen DeBoer leaves Fresno State for Washington. Jake Hayner was the quarterback at Washington, didn't win the job, transferred to Fresno State. Could we see him go back to Washington? I think there's a there's a very good chance of that. I mean, especially when you think about the fact that he's already made a move before. By the way, I, I don't know how the rules actually work on this now with the one time transfer rule. He has transferred in the did, past. Yeah, if, he's not if, listed if as a grad out, transfer in the portal. So I'm not that that's for the compliance folks to to sort yeah. out. I'm curious what that well, is. Well, here's the thing. If you if you had to sit out, you haven't used a free transfer yet. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's it's a good point. It's a good point. Um so I I think that when you've already gone through it, when you've already been to a school and made the move and and it's way more of a business decision the second time you go through that recruiting process, I think probably the comfort of saying, I know this coach, I know the system, I'm going to help them install this system here at Washington is a safer choice. But man, I think he'll be surprised by the phone calls he gets here tonight because there are going to be, I, I would think, uh, look, there's there's Spencer Rattler out there, Dylan Gabriel, Miles Brennan. There's some there's good quarterbacks out there. There's going to be more, but I think he'll be surprised by how many top twenty five programs call him and say, "Do you want to be the starter here?" And I, I said we haven't seen him a quarterback before. We have. I forgot. Uh, Mike Bobo when he went to to South Carolina as the OC, mm-hmm. there was a quarterback who followed him from Colorado State as a grad transfer, and I'm I'm blanking blanking on the young man's name right now, but uh, he's, he's He's not even that young anymore, but Colin, Colin Hill, Colin Hill. Oh. And uh, I, and you saw Noah Vedral follow Frost from UCF to Nebraska. And then ended that's up right. The That's starter right. at Rutgers there, but there's, there's, there's some cases of that, but, but certainly not a ton. Yeah. So I think we're probably going to see a little more of that now. Um, do you think if you left your college and transferred for two years and you came back, like, do you think your buddies are still, still in school possibly? Like there could be like a lot of people sure. being like, Come on, man! Come move back into the house. Like, oh yeah, dude! Old times. Like this isn't that, that awkward of a thing. With, yeah, dudes, you were lifting with your freshman year. Yeah, going through uh, all those growing pains and all that together. Absolutely. And I, you know, I don't think anybody at Washington begrudges no Jake Hayner leaving. I think what they probably did is watch Jake Hayner play and were like, "Damn, our coach is messed up." <laughs> that's right yeah i'm sure you've got the former teammates section you saying man i i thought you should have been the guy and all that and i'm, I'm sure they'd be happy to happy to have him back i it, certainly washington's got other quarterbacks and and that you know you bring one in it, it's going to create attrition and stuff but for a new head coach walking in like in terms of setting your culture and system and all that you, you can't ask for a better possibility than that where do we think spencer rattler's going to wind up so all right, so if he called you and said, Andy, what should I do? What would you say? I it's I have an answer Nebraska? to this, but I'm not I'm not quite like totally there yet. Nebraska? You you could start. Yeah, I would think Clemson? I would think so. That's interesting. Clemson Clemson has uh Kale Klubnik. Kate Klubnik. Kate Klubnik coming five, and he's yeah, five star guy. He's he's legit. So maybe not. Um, my, my thinking, and, I, and honestly, I've been thinking this since halftime of red river. Um, could he be, you think about the need here of going somewhere Texas. and having one, no, going somewhere, having one great year and putting up big stats and getting back to potential, you know, for day one, day two kind mm-hmm. of status. What if he replaces Matt Corral? That is a distinct possibility. And uh, now I, I had Dylan Gabriel pegged. Yeah, for, for yeah, and there's that, that there's that staff connection there too, and um, yeah. that would be an interesting like little debate if you you had both guys on on the line there. I mean, Dylan um, Gabriel already knows the offense. It's true, <laughs> that is true. Um, I yeah, I, I think that I, I think 
part of it has got to be, like I said, these are business decisions now for these guys that, and Spencer Rattler who made a lot of money from his businesses this year and is doing, doing mm-hmm. well on that front. I, I think he knows that he has to go somewhere that really boosts his stock and, and not so much like, and, and also you probably don't want to like it to go into some wide open competition. You probably want to go somewhere, be the guy put in that hard year of work and get back where you think you should be. So it's got to be offensively a system that, that lets you really shine and, and, a, and a good developer of, of quarterbacks. I mean, I, I've seen people mention Arizona state. If Jaden Daniels leaves, that's going I was home say, for are, him. Yeah. That, that but, only works if Jaden Daniels goes pro. Right. Are we sure he's going to do that? Right. It's, it's a, it's a risky thing for him. I think you got to go with, uh, you know, someone that, that gives you a chance to, to really, I, I think Rattler's still capable of that. I'm not saying he's gonna be the number one overall pick in a year, a year from now, but I, I think he's still capable of being a big time guy. If he, if he improves his decision-making and gets his Oregon? confidence back. What sure. about Oregon? Sure. I mean, cause we don't know if Ty Thompson's going to win the job. And... I've heard a lot of good things about him, but you know, it, this would be the year he's got to prove it. Yeah. And Oregon's going to have a new OC. It looks like, cause, uh, the, the room, you know, the reporting is that Joe Moorhead's going to take the Akron head coaching job. So yeah, that, that's the part you kind of have to watch the OC situation. And then, uh, at, at Florida, I saw Anthony Richardson tweet scared money. Don't make money, which I'm assuming to mean, I would like to be the starting quarterback for you, Billy <laughs> Napier. So I don't think you have to worry about him. Well, him jumping into the portal right now. You know, I, I will say Spencer Rattler and his family have had more than a month to think about where he should go. So I wouldn't be that surprised if this thing did move kind of quickly. Has not, already, not, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not alleging tampering or anything. I'm just saying they've they've had a, yeah. a chance here to kind of look at the landscape and figure out what are some good fits. Well, and, and there are schools, you know, because a lot of times we assume because schools have recruited a guy and, and they were excited about him that that's that's who's going to come up and take the job. But like, for example, North Carolina. Sam Howell's leaving. Mm-hmm. We assume Drake Mays the next guy up. What if they go portal? They, what if right. they like Spencer Rattler? Do, did you see what Sam Howell did here? That that is okay. So that's a great great example. That's one of those places where we talked to Phil Longo, and he he does really like the young arms they've got behind Sam Howell. But in this, as we know, in this day and age, there's not a whole lot of loyalty if there's somebody better out there. Yeah. I had a power five coach tell me that this year he, he took a quarterback out of the portal and, and the decision-making process went like this. He had a younger recruited quarterback who, who had some, you know, had some success. He wanted to get someone who could be good in practice and helpful in the meeting room, but not necessarily one that would intimidate the, the young guy into thinking he's going to lose his job and start looking over his shoulder. The coach later in the season goes, I'm not doing that again. Next time I'm taking the best guy available in the portal. And if that scares the the presumed starter, I don't care. I just want the best quarterback. And that's, you know, that's where you got to have a pretty, pretty clear dialogue at the start of this thing. Cause you could be a guy like Anthony Russo who goes to Michigan state and you think like, Oh man, I got a chance to quarterback a really good team here potentially. And mm-hmm. Maybe you're being brought in to be the guy that pushes the younger guy to get better. I mean, it, that's where uh, players like – again, that's why a player like – I think Jake Hayner and, and Spencer Rattler probably know their starters no matter where they're going. But you, you also want to go to a place where you can definitely you're, – you're for sure that you're going to be the guy. Well, I, I think if you're not Jake Hayner, Dylan Gabriel, Spencer Rattler, that, that group, yeah. you have to understand you will have to compete. It will not be handed to you right off the bat. By the way, now that now that Malachi Nelson's committed to USC and we've seen Jackson Dart play really well, like what would happen if Caleb Williams put his name in there too? If Caleb Williams put his name in there, every school in the country would want Caleb Williams? Yes. Is, is there a school that has a quarterback that finished the season as their starter who would say, no, thank you, Caleb Williams, we're good here? Oh, is there any school? Or is it, would Ohio State say that? Is, is the, is, right. Is there one out there that is just like so irrationally confident in their guy that they would not even bother to make a phone call? Maybe Ohio. I mean, I, I mean Ohio I, State's got two. I mean, maybe they yeah, would. Maybe Al- they would win. Alabama say that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I uh, Alabama probably is not getting in there. No. 
especially because these kids aren't the red shirt now. So they want to go play. Okay, so that's a hundred. That's that's a hundred twenty seven because Oklahoma counts as one of them too. Right. So that's a hundred twenty seven schools. <laughs> Hundred twenty eight hundred twenty eight if you include Oklahoma. So yeah, if you got I mean, there's some of these situations where you're like, oh man, we I'm really excited about Tyler Van Dyke. I think the future's really bright here. Oh, oh, we can get Caleb Williams. All yeah, right. no, come on, come on. <laughs> Please come. There's a lot of those where you, you you talk yourself into like, okay, I think we're gonna be in pretty good shape next year. But like some especially you look at the like the 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 landscape here, Andy. Like there's some of these teams too. Like, what about I mean, you mentioned like Texas, Texas AM, two schools that mm-hmm. They probably, you know, could afford to be aggressive here. Texas A&M is a quarterback away from what? I, I'm. You, tell me if you agree or disagree. Like, if you told me A&M wins a national title in the next five years, I'd be like, mm, I wouldn't say that's impossible. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, they, they just got the number one receiver recruit in the country mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, they got the number one defensive tackle recruit in the country. They, they've... They've got dudes now. They're the way they play defense guys. this year too. A and M fans will tell you, like, if we had a quarterback, we'd be in a very different spot. Oh, I know. And and you know, Demarvin Leal will, will leave and become a first round pick. And they've got uh, they've got a lot of. It's interesting. I remember when Kevin Sumlin was there. He he said, you know, there were the, all these top end guys. They had the first round guys, like the the offensive lineman who went in the first round the, three years in a row. But they they didn't have any middle round guys. It was like top end, undrafted free agent. This Texas A&M group is going to have the top end guys, mm-hmm. you know, two or three guys that might be first round guys, and they're going to have guys down the draft. Yeah. And that's what you need. That's what that's what wins you titles. And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. <laughs> I think right. I think that, that's that's what it's going to be like in terms of, of their roster. So, yeah, I, I can definitely see if they get the right quarterback com- combined with all that other stuff. They could absolutely be a national title contender. I can see, yeah. There's, there's definitely some of these where you have, like, so you mentioned Clemson. If you were Clemson, would you make calls this offseason, or would you trust that your guy's going to get better? Well, I think for them, you know, they, they got a baby steps. They, they don't even, they don't take trans. They've not taken transfers under Dabo at all. Mm-hmm. My suspicion is that's going to change, but I'm not sure they're going to do that with quarterbacks yet. They've been, you know. Because they've done pretty well IDing good quarterbacks, and I don't know if DJ is is he's obviously not Trevor, but as the season went on, he became a more capable quarterback. Mm. You put a better offensive line in front of him, he becomes a much more capable quarterback. And and again, we don't know what happens with Clubnick. So if oh, I thought I'm of another Clemson, one, what about what? What? Okay, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, but if I'm Clemson, I may be spot recruiting a couple guys on the offensive line out of the portal not necessarily looking for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like there's, there's a couple of historic examples, like the Joe Burrow example. Sometimes you take a guy and you are willing to lose everybody in your room to take that guy and, and bet on them. Right. So would you, would you, if you were Kirby smart, would you try to get Caleb Williams? No matter what you think of the guys you got behind him, would you go do it? Stetson Bennett has more time. <laughs> I know. And Vandegrift was a if big just, recruit and they've, they've recruited. I mean, they've brought in some big arms, if, but if you just won a national title with Stetson <laughs> and Caleb Williams said, I want to be a dog. Uh-huh. I think you got to take him. <laughs> yeah. And if you, you know, score 13 points in the national title game and lose it after having the best team in the country or something, then maybe, maybe the, the calculus changes a little bit. <laughs> it's, it is crazy. <laughs> This this is going to be the wildest offseason we've ever seen. It already is with with the coaching carousel. We're going to see it more with the, the the transfer portal. And look, I don't have a problem with it. You, but you're saying you're <laughs> saying the same thing it. about quarterbacks that you that we would. I, I think we can now have to say about head coaches. There's only like Absolutely. three or four you can't hire, and everybody else. Like if you've got the money, apparently now you can hire them. <laughs> if you got if you got the nil deals yeah if, if you got yeah. the if you got the taco place that'll let him feed his offensive line on thursday nights he might hey, be caleb there. williams come here for your you know twenty thousand dollar weekly uh interviews or something you know like there's there's Ka- caleb be williams by the way <laughs> caleb williams by the way still allowed to eat the carnitas at tar humara's uh oh, lincoln man. riley not allowed Ooh. to eat the carnitas at tar humara's in fact i think i'm guessing 
if Lincoln Riley ever walks into Tarahumara's again, they probably will charge him for queso, which if you know Mexican restaurants in the general OKC Metroplex, they do not charge for queso. It is a thing there. Does it, I mean, we've, we've already gone on too long, but I, I do. I am honestly curious. Like, I, I know, I know there's no, no, no. I know there is a just an extreme bitterness that comes with these breakups and how they, you know, it shouldn't have been handled that way and yada yada. Like in in those two cases, Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley. When when does it like when does it wear off and Lincoln Riley can come back to Tarhumaras? Brian Kelly's is never going to go away, just as it's never gone away at Cincinnati. Okay. Lincoln Riley, if Oklahoma hires someone who is as successful or more successful, they're going to be like, ah, that's fine. Okay. Whatever. Thanks for the big. Te- thanks for the Big Twelve titles. Uh-huh. Now you think if you Oklahoma think Brian Kelly's the most severe design. one, really? Oh yeah, absolutely. As the winningest pro that's, coach in program history. That's more based on their personalities, though. Okay. Lincoln Riley's generally a more lovable person than Brian Kelly. <laughs> the Lincoln betrayal is different because we loved you for every minute of your tenure, and then you and then you did that to us. Whereas yes. Brian I mean, there Kelly, there's there's certainly been uh, Brian Kelly. some right. Yeah. There's been a lot of a lot of strong mixed emotions over the tenure there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now is a lot of this is is based with Oklahoma on Joe Castiglione making the correct choice here. If it doesn't go well and they have the wrong choice, then I don't know what you do. Then it becomes the bitterness will linger toward Lincoln Riley because the program is not where it should be. But if, if they go to the SEC and they're like an eight and four program, like, like, like Sumlin was at A&M perennially. Yeah. Perennially. Then people will say that that's Lincoln's fault. They will blame Lincoln Riley for it. Yeah. Yeah. If however, they make a hire and that coach is very successful and they are what they have been, and they're you know, kind of a regular playoff contender, uh, frequent contender for the SEC title. That they, they will they will let go of their anger toward Lincoln Riley. He will be allowed, and, and you'll to come probably back be Tar and order whatever he wants. If it all if all goes well, you'll probably be playing him sometimes. Yep, exactly. And it, I'm enjoying Jeff Schwartz's tweets. By the way, Jeff Schwartz, for those who don't know, uh, eight year NFL veteran, I believe it's eight years, it might be more than that. But he uh, he played offensive guard at Oregon, and so remember everything is is viewed through green and, and yellow lenses here. But he. <laughs> He had a tweet basically saying, I, I know Lincoln's, this is after Nelson committed. I know Lincoln's going to get all the best skill guys to come to USC, which is Jeff's way of saying, but Mario's still going to get the line of scrimmage guys. Uh-huh. And, and he, he basically is calling Lincoln Riley team soft, which was the knock at Oklahoma as well. So Lincoln Riley's going to have to have to change that. that that's going to be fun. At USC. We are, we are starting off this tenure with the salty. Lincoln Lincoln Air Raid versus Mario Manball uh, debate. That's going to be fun. Well, Kyle Whittingham's going to have something to say about that with a little Manball, yeah, in Salt right. Lake City as well. So <laughs> I, I am I am excited for all this. This is a lot of change happening all at once, but uh, it's going to be fun to watch how it all unfolds, and it's going to be fun to watch this weekend because we lay out a bunch of scenarios for you. All of them seem relatively plausible. And the committee will have to just figure it out. So we will see what they do on Sunday. And we will talk to you again on Friday. 